Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Looking to throw over the middle and into the end zone. Touchdown, Arizona State. We support each other's uh, teams the rest of the year, but during this game, all bets are off. That was all Keaton Slovis. Wow, what a play by him. One man to beat 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, a new NCAA record. Dante Pettis. Washington State has found a way to move the ball. It's incredible what we're seeing here in Pullman tonight. Touchdown, Oregon. They fake the handoff. Justin Herbert delivers a dart. I went to HR several times uh, about how the Duck fans treat me. Touchdown, Utah. I mean, this is the Pac-12 we're talking about. It's officially December, which means that the year of 2020 is finally almost over. But we have some goodness to send it off with. And that is what we are going to talk to in terms of Pac-12 football right here on Believe in the Pac-12. My name is Jonathan Rifkind. I'm joined by my esteemed colleague, Ryan Leaf, Sirius XM College football analyst. And Ryan, um, I don't know if we're going to see a Florida State situation with Clemson and Virginia where uh, they were ready to go until hours before the game and then the game was canceled but as of right now we have a full slate of Pac-12 football on the Saturday and early Sunday morning schedule which is the first time since November 7th when the conference opened up that we actually have a, a potential full slate and for you and me that serves as a really good opportunity because you've been kicking my butt in these lines and this is my week to get back this is my week to not draw, but to maybe even eke ahead a little bit. And I need all six of these games to happen to have any shot at that because uh, so far you have, again, been just kicking my butt all over these, these point spreads. Um, but before we get to that, I have a question for you because you have been on the, the BYU conversation very consistently. They have rescheduled. They're playing Coastal Carolina uh, because Liberty had coronavirus issues. Um, and they will be on game day, ESPN, all the good stuff. Is Coastal Carolina a good enough game if BYU walks away with a win to give BYU a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt, put them in a college football playoff conversation at least, or no? Well, let's start with this. I don't know if goodness is a word, but uh, um, <laughs> we, do have a, we do have good news uh, this weekend. I like what BYU is doing. I do. I like that they're, you know, they're kind of – but – no, Coastal Carolina is not. It's another group of five team. It's a Sunbelt Conference, um, you know, opponent. I, you know, it's not going – let's say this. I like what they did. I think I'm going to enjoy watching the game. Does it do anything for their college football playoff chances? No. Yep, and I, I completely agree. I think that a lot of people in the BYU camp are trying to use this as a way to rationalize an opportunity. It's a top 25 game. Uh, it's a team that's undefeated, but you're right. It is a Sun Belt team. 
Uh, Coastal's locked up the West or the East, excuse me, in the Sun Belt. They'll be put facing Louisiana Lafayette in the Sun Belt Championship here in two weeks. Uh, but it will be a fun game. I completely agree. Two great quarterbacks going at it. Um, but BYU still is in a better position right now than the Pac-12 to get into the college football playoff. Until this weekend. Until this weekend. No, when you- they're, 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 they're not. They're not. Because they're, they'll, never, they'll never get in. They, they will not have a chance to get in. But I don't think the Pac-12 is zero, going to have a chance have to get point. in either. They have a better chance than BYU. You think if Washington, if you're me a USC team, if you're telling me a USC team is six and zero with dominant wins over UCLA and Oregon or Washington in the Pac-12 championship, and they're sitting at six and zero as Pac-12 champions, and you have a five and zero Ohio State team, and Clemson's beat has, is is out of the conversation, uh, they're going to look at them before they look at BYU. So they have a you, better chance than BYU. Man, this Florida-Texas A&M game is really what messes everything up for the SEC because you're right. Look, if, every, if everything goes according to what you just said and Alabama beats Florida in the SEC championship, an undefeated USC should get that fourth spot. Um, I don't know. I just think that the committee hates them. They don't hate the Pac-12. They just don't believe in the Pac-12, and they made it clear. Um, and so it makes it hard for me to – look, I agree. I think convincing wins. But Oregon's not going to be ranked – Oh, they'll be ranked, but if they are ranked, they'll be super low in the Pac-12 championship. Washington, no, I think if they if they, if, you, if they beat Washington and 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 win again this week, they may be in the top fifteen. Ooh, I I don't think they're a top fifteen team. I don't think Oregon's a top fifteen team. Either do I. They don't belong in the top twenty-five at all right now. Either does uh, uh, either does Wisconsin. Yep. The. the Either just Georgia at eight. Maybe Georgia belongs in the top 25, maybe like at 25, but they don't belong at eight. Are you kidding me? So the committee is what the committee is. The committee is going to put Blue Bloods in. They're just going to do it. They're not going to put BYU. They're not going to put uh, Cincinnati. They're going to put an Ohio State team. If Ohio State doesn't play a game the rest of the year, if their game gets canceled tomorrow, doesn't play against Michigan, doesn't play in the Big Ten Championship, uh, and they're 4-0, they're still getting in. That's what the committee has told us yeah. already. So if the, committee, if the committee continues to say that data matters and then it doesn't, then, then nothing's going to change. This whole thing is a mess. It's a chaotic mess, and I love it. Um, well, but I, think reason, we... I, don't, I don't love it at all. I think that you're <laughs> disrespecting and, and alienating a ton of college football fans because guess what? No one's talking about Oregon State. They're talking about Oregon and how they blew it again because everybody cares about the college football playoff, not about what Jonathan Smith has done there in three years and how that win was exceptional. That's, that's what we as believe in the Pac-12, the Pac-12 network, which nobody watches so no one knows. Um, they, need to, they need to continue talking about that and not the fact that we're out of the college football playoff conversation. And I know ESPN and those big four letters uh, make a big big deal about it every Tuesday night and it's because they own it and they need high, high ratings to make their money through this process. But uh, this was the year and it still can happen. If the committee just takes their blinders off and stop with their elitism and make it into an 18 playoff, this is the only year. Fine. Don't set a precedent. It won't be a precedent. This is un unforeseen, right? BYU and coastal Carolina just manufactured a game in 72 hours that's 2200 miles away so don't give me the crap that uh you know adding another game big deal you're going to get through the season anyway add four more teams give the teams a shot because you can't tell me right now that a nine and one texas a and team is not better 
than a 4-0 or 5-0 Ohio State team because that's five or four more games that Ohio State has for a chance to lose that they didn't have to play. So you're, you're not giving us a true understanding of – you can't tell me that. You, you can't tell me that you think that's better. You can say it. You can say we believe that. You don't have any data or any evidence to back it up. So this is why it should be done. It's not going to be. It's going to be Clemson, uh, Notre Dame, Alabama, and most likely Ohio State when it's all said and done. The only way it kind of shakes loose, I think, is if Notre Dame um, beats Clemson again. But, but don't get me wrong. If they sneak by Clemson by a, by a field goal in overtime or something like that, don't be surprised if the committee for the first time ever puts a two-loss team in in the Clemson Tigers. Oh, we're going down a rabbit hole here. Um, really quickly, point of clarification. When I said I love this, I don't love the college football playoff or the committee and the way that they do this. I just like the chaotic scene that we have to sort of unpack because it's fun. It's fun <laughs> for us to have to deal with. And unfortunately for the fans, it's not fun for them because they don't it, – It's when you talk about blinders, I mean, everybody in the Pac-12 is, is, is looking at this thing through a minute perspective, which is fine. But when you take yourself out of it and you look at the ambiguous picture, there's a lot going on nationally that happens – that plays into uh, the perception surrounding the Pac-12 and each individual team. Um, really quickly, the only pushback I have on the eight-team playoff is in the hypothetical situation, right? Yeah, it's better for the teams that we're fans of, right? It's better for the, our conference, for the Pac-12, because it gives them a better shot. But that, I'm for not me, saying, is, I'm not even saying the Pac-12 deserves to be in it. But you're telling me that you're gonna, you, you, you are honestly going to tell me that BYU is not better than Ohio State? How do you know? How do they're you gonna, know? But it, because the I, you know that BYU is not better than Ohio State. You don't. Ohio State hasn't done shit. Ohio Are State would kick the, the asses of BYU. They would kick them all the way back to Provo if they were playing in, in, a, in Columbus. You don't know that for sure, though. You, you believe it to be true. <laughs> but you believe that to be true. But look, but look, at, the, look at who would have been the eighth seeds last year. Look at, like, okay, so LSU would have mopped the floor with any. Like, Oklahoma, like, the fourth seed wasn't even a competition. not talking about last year. No but but if you look, but, we're talking about this year. But it sets a precedent. If they decide to change it this year, it's not a precedent because a team's playing four or five games and another team's playing eleven. That's the difference this year. Next year they're going to play twelve. You're going to have a better idea. You're going to have more data. You don't need this year. You don't need to have four teams this year to simply keep it the same because you have no idea what would happen. How many times have Ohio State done something stupid and went and lost to Purdue or something like that? Yeah, of course, because they of had time. to play it. Yeah, because they had to play the game. Are you telling me because they didn't have to play five games? That's they just if they are if they are a favorite in all those games, let's just call them. They would have won them. Okay, extract the analytics. Do you think Ohio State is a top four team in the country? Extract. I have it. them Based- ranked as a top four team right now. Okay, yeah. so then wouldn't you wouldn't you agree that it, if they were matched up against a, a sixth seed or a seventh seed from a different con- conference, odds are they're probably going to win. Probably, but that's not a, that's not what we're trying to do here. We're trying to crown a national champion. And in a year where there's so much, amb- so much ambiguity and under- uncertainty, why not just do it for one year? Because we need to get through the year, I think, at this point, right? It adds one game. With bowl games canceled, I, could feel, I feel I agree. It adds one game. I agree in, 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 um, in legit. Like, I just I don't think that it, it, sets, it sets a good precedent because it's going to become a thing. In person. Huh? Are you kidding me? They're meeting in person. They don't care about 
freaking they do, No, I know, but fans, fans are going to be like, oh, well, there were eight teams last year, and my team is seventh ranked in the, in the country, so now they're going to be super pissed next year when there's back to four teams in the college football playoff. No, right now, all of a sudden, a it's going to have no. to be eight teams. You say no. You say this is the one year. And it is – are you kidding me? Is 2020 like any other year you've been a part of? No. No. So have, have a little bit of perspective and an open mind to try to get – teams in there that you have no idea are better than the other i think florida's better than no i don't have ohio state in the top four i'm sorry i have florida in at number four so no i don't have ohio state in there right now i want to see florida ohio state if i could that's a game i'd love to see that game so you know this is this is this is the one and only year because you just cannot make a determination after four games where you beat lackluster teams illinois rutgers and barely beat an Indiana team that's not going to not gonna do well. And they squeaked by Penn State, too. Remember that? They almost they, – Penn State was playing well up until the middle yes. of the third quarter. So, I mean, you just – you don't have enough information uh, to go by. And that's why I think it's the only time that you make this choice. But they're not going to do it, to your point. They're not going to set a precedent because they love what they do and they know what brands makes them money and they know what college – but if you heard Kirk Street this week. He said – he said that this is – this is what's going on in college football is destroying the game. And he's exactly right because people don't care about anything else other than the college football playoff. And ESPN has done a great job of branding that and making it the end all be all. And that's all we care about. And if that's the case, it is just going to be an absolute disaster moving forward. And also if they were to put four teams in there with one, having only played four or five games this year, it will destroy the college football committee's credibility. It really will. They will not be able to stand in front of you. Uh, Gary Barta will not be able to sit in front of you on Tuesday nights and you believe a word that comes out of his mouth. I know we have a hard time believing it a lot right now because it seems like he's talking out of both sides of his mouth, but you will not look at him at all and see any or all accountability if that's the case. I'm glad that we got this far into the season to be able to have these debates because at, at one point it didn't even seem like we were going to get here. So we're almost there, folks, regardless of what the outcome is, regardless if you're, you're happy oh, with it or gonna not. Oh, there's going to be a championship. Oh, there's yeah. going to crown a champion. This is too much money. There's too much money at, at stake. Do you know how much money it's costing to feed Stanford every day they're on the road out of this in their own private bubble somewhere? I know they, they practice at a public park in Seattle today. They, they, they weren't practicing in a park. They were just doing a walkthrough outside of uh, the hotel. And I, I know that's, that's going to confuse people. Because yeah, that, the like, Bleacher Report headline was very adamant that they were practicing at a public park. Yeah, yeah it, it's just like when, we, I was on, when I was in the pros, you know, if the ballroom was, was booked uh, the morning of our game, we went across the street to the park or did it in the parking lot and did a walkthrough. So, I mean – if anybody took a snapshot of that back then, right. they're like, oh, look how bad the Chargers are. They have to practice, <laughs> they have to practice in, a, in a parking lot. Um, it costs over $100,000 every day to feed the team. So you have to know how much money's being brought in to actually go and put this in motion, right? To take a team out of Santa Clara County, to move them to Seattle for this week's game, to go on the road once again and play Oregon State a week later. And, and not knowing what the, the end game is going to be, especially when a team's, uh, you know, one and two to start the season. So there's a lot of money that is still being generated. And that is the only reason, the only reason why this season will conclude and, and why we even started it in the first place. So let's get to it. Let's get to week 14 in the National College Football Slate, but week number uh, four 
actually week number five here in the Pac-12 slate of games. So uh, like we alluded to, some good news as of right now, Friday morning, just about noon on the West Coast, sunny San Diego where I am, nice little California, uh, what our suburb of Los Angeles where Ryan is. Um, we got almost a full slate ready to go. Sunday will feature Washington State and USC. I opened up the pod saying it was in the morning. It's actually at 4.30 in the afternoon. We'll get to that one last as we go in chronological order here. In the morning, all right, wow, actually not in the morning, 1 o'clock Pacific time in the morning if you're in Hawaii. Washington hosting Stanford. Um, you just mentioned Stanford has to get out of their element do walkthroughs, do their practices elsewhere because Santa Clara County is not letting anybody in within 115 miles. Uh, and if you do, you have to quarantine for 14 days. It's a whole thing. And they also put a moratorium on all these sports, um, professional and collegiate included. So, uh, Washington comes in at 22. They finally squeaked into the top 25. I know that you have them second in the Pac-12 in your Pac-12 power rankings. Um, those, the spread's 11 and a half. I think that Washington, you know, Dylan Morris hasn't been incredible, but He's been somewhat cerebral, and it seems like he's working into this offense. I think they'll cover, um, and, and I just think that the circumstances are tough for Stanford as it is, and they just haven't been very good this season. Well, the problem is, is they had a false positive, and Davis Mills didn't play week one. The false positive kept him out all week in practice, and he was rusty in the first half against Colorado and then looked pretty, pretty darn good in that second half, bringing the comeback. And then a week ago, they go and win uh, the big game. And uh, they are one and two, and Davis Mills is coming along. 11 and a half points for a Washington team that's beat uh, a winless Arizona team in the last 10 games. Should have lost the game to Utah. Probably should have lost the game to Oregon State because of a bad call. They are uh, a fraudulent 22 is what they are. They are a, a lucky-ass 22 right now. And if you're going to say that Stanford, the Stanford Cardinal in this matchup, uh, even with all the – the nonsense and sometimes I think the nonsense tends to focus teams in more and David Shaw has shown a lot of faith in his team they have not had a, a positive since July uh, they're doing the right things and they're going to cover this uh, and it wouldn't be surprised if they found a way to beat them so I got I got Stanford plus 11 and a half and uh, and don't be surprised if this is one of the upsets uh, in the Pac-12 where another uh, possible conference champion or playoff team that's in the top 25 goes down it's I mean I, I agree with your analysis of why but I I don't know it just something feels off with Stanford this year and I think Washington week by week should in theory get better with the pieces that they have and I, I like, I'll, I like you, I'll, I'll tell you what's off, I'll tell you what's off with Stanford their kicker misses four field goals <laughs> their starting quarterback who's supposed to be all world doesn't play until uh, a day before uh, their second game they've they've had a lot of stuff thrown at them now if this is a continuation of stuff thrown being thrown at them with the having to leave santa clara county and go off and do these things then then i understand your but 11 and a half points is a lot i mean if washington wins uh you know i, I don't see him doing it by more than 10 that's for sure fair enough so we're gonna we're gonna split the difference here so you have the plus 11 and a half. I, I still, I'm, I believe in Jimmy Lake. And I, like I said, I think that they're going to get better each week. So um, I'm really, I really need a win here in this week with these lines. So I'm going to just throw my eggs in the Washington basket as an Oregon duck um, that goes against my, the fibers of my being here. Speaking of Oregon, they're a Cal this week, four o'clock on ESPN. The spread is nine, a Cal team that lost because they missed the game tying extra point. Now, who knows what would happen in overtime last week, um, but still, they lost 28-27 to Stanford, a defense, a Justin Wilcox defense that has not looked like a Justin Wilcox defense through their first three games. 
They're 0-3 for the first time in Pac-12 play since he began his tenure at Cal. Um, Oregon is pissed off. And I also heard a rumor about Cristobal potentially going somewhere and replacing some coach somewhere. I don't know. I, he's not leaving Oregon unless it's for Alabama. Anyways, um, minus nine. I think that Oregon, you know, Cal typically has Oregon's number and they always make <laughs> it close. Doing it again. They You're always doing make it, it close. They always make it close, but I have to believe my team. I have to believe, believe in my team. team. You can believe your team and take the points and still win. You know that, right? Yeah, but but uh, but if they you take haven't the, done it the right way the last two weeks, the defenses look bad. The offense hasn't looked bad, and the deep. Well, this is an offense. That, but this is a deep. This is this is do. an offense. This is an offense in Cal that Oregon's defense, as bad as they've been, could so could look decent against because Chase Garbers hasn't been throwing the ball downfield very well because they haven't been running the ball with Christopher Brown very well. I cave on Thibodeau and Noah soul need to figure. I'm mean, no soul's figured out cave on Thibodeau's need to has need to figure it out up to this point. And this is the game where he bounces back. I am firmly taking Oregon minus nine. You know what? I think they even win by two scores. Well, good for you. Um, Cal's defense hasn't been that bad. What's been bad for Cal has been their special teams. I mean, if you look at the mistakes that were made in that Stanford game, it was heavily on special teams. And, of course, it cost them at the end, right? The week before against Oregon State, right? It was a muffed punt and a block punt that, that cost, them, cost them as well. So if they can shore their, up their, their, uh, their special teams, they got a chance to stay in the game. But Oregon coming off a loss. Remember when they lost Arizona State a year ago? Oh, yeah. How they bounced back. Um, you know, this, this gives them an edge. You know, they have everything in front of them still. They, they can still be Pac-12 champs, just like they were a year ago having that late loss. They'll get the Washington game at the end of the year to make that decision, uh, whether they get to play for the Pac-12 title again. So um, I, like, I like Oregon here. Um, the question is, are they going to be able to cover the nine points? And that's a lot of points. Uh, but in college, it's, it's not necessarily as much. They've won three out of their four games by more than double digits, uh, or sorry, they've won uh, two out of their uh, four games by more than double digits. They didn't against UCLA, and of course they lost as 13 and a half point favorites against Oregon State. So, you know what? Uh, I think they win. I do. I think Cal keeps it close. Justin Wilcox always has an answer for Mario Cristobal and uh, what they do defensively. So I'm going to go uh, Cal there plus nine. Last time Oregon played at Cal Memorial Stadium, I got locked in until two in the morning because our post game took so long they forgot about us and locked up the stadium. So hopefully that doesn't happen to like the four different people that are working this game. Um, but it's going to, I don't know. I think Cal Memorial, they don't really fill it up anyway. So I don't think it's going to be that much different than it typically is. So yeah, I mean, Cal plays pretty good at home typically. Like you said, Justin Wilcox has, uh, or Cristobal's number more often than not. And we'll see what happens. But I'm still going to put faith in my team here. Um, covering that spread, and you have Oregon with the win. You're going to die on this hill. You died on it the last couple of weeks. You're going to continue to die. That's all right. Isn't that the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again? You're going to have a chance because we already disagree on two games, so let's go. (laughs) All right. I have a feeling we're going to agree here. Colorado is a minus 7.5 at Arizona. I haven't heard um, whether or not Grant Gannell is going to play. Um, regardless of if he does, I think Colorado is the hottest team in the Pac-12 right now, and I think that they definitely cover that seven and a half points. And also, Sam Neuer needs a little bit more credit. He's a, he's a really 
good quarterback, considering that most people didn't know him coming into this season. Nobody knew him. Nobody knew him. I had never heard of him, and I cover the Pac-12 religiously. So Colorado not being ranked ahead of Oregon in the college football ranking. If Oregon's going to be ranked, Colorado needed to be ranked ahead of them. That, that's, it, it's absolutely asinine to think the committee could do this to an undefeated team where they did it with Washington. And just because they placed Oregon at 15 the week before doesn't necessarily mean anything. Uh, they can drop them out of it completely. There's no reason why Colorado shouldn't be ahead of Oregon if Oregon is still ranked. And so I think uh, that's, that's disappointing. And I think Darren Cheverini and Carl Durrell and that team, you know, have a chip on their shoulder. And unfortunately, they didn't get the USC game, which I think would have told us a lot. But they do get an Arizona team that has not won in a very, very long time in the Pac-12. And I think they cover as well. I think they go out, do what they need to do offensively. Uh, Grant Gannell most likely is not going to go. I don't know if you saw how sensitive his shoulder was when he, when he even got touched at that one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he is, he's not going to be 100% or not even, not even close to it. So I got Colorado winning this one probably 31-17. Yeah, I think that's fair. So that means Will Palmer will probably get the start. Uh, we got to get Shiv on the show. I heard that he's a, a fantastic interview. I think you've had him on SiriusXM before, haven't you? Yeah, we've had him on a bunch there. And yeah, we'll do that sometime. We'll do yeah, that. Sure. We'll do that if they are, they're sitting there uh, after next week um, for that for that title shot. Amazing. He, I just got that follow on Twitter from him. So uh, I have a feeling we have some avenues to go down. All right, moving on. Another team that. Uh, will be without their quarterback, their starting quarterback, Oregon State, Tristan Jebbia, obviously last week against Oregon. Uh, touchdown, that was not called a touchdown. Next play, he goes and he injured his, his hamstring. Uh, really tough story. And John Canzano um, out of Portland, one of the big guys, or out of the Oregonian, one of the big guys who radio guys up there, um, incited a lot of conflict between the Pac-12 and its referee official committees this past week. Um, and, and it seems like nobody in the state of Oregon, whether it's Oregon or Oregon State, uh, is on the side of the officials or Larry Scott. Not that they have been on the side of either of those uh, in recent memory, but even more so after this game and after Kanzano basically got Larry Scott to say, yeah, I don't really, I don't really control the officiating, which is not really the assurances that you want to hear from your commissioner. Anyways, Oregon State on the road without their quarterback. They'll be facing another team, Utah. We'll have to start Jake Bentley. Um, because they are also without their typical starter for the remainder of the season. Utah's minus 11. That seems a little steep to me for a team that blew a 21-point lead last week against Washington at home. Um, And Jamar Jefferson could probably run all over that defense, just like he did against Oregon last week. I think that Utah ekes out the win, but I think it's close. It's probably a three- or four-point game. That's my my prediction. Yeah, I I mean, that is an insult. Are you talking 11 points? Are you kidding me? And – my old producer with ESPN is, is producing this game and, and he reached out to me and I said, 11 points. He's like, this is the first, uh, really the first snap ever by this quarterback. And I said, I don't care. Have you seen that running back? Have you seen the improvement on the defensive side of the football? Have you seen the absolute, uh, you know, vomit in your hands, second half performance by Utah <laughs> last week? So 11 points is too much. I don't, I don't know how this is going to go. I wouldn't be surprised if Jonathan Smith and Jamar Jefferson and this team find a way to win it. But I, I'm running. I'm running with these Beavers points. 11. Plus 11 here for me, definitely. 100%. Yeah, I mean, for, honestly, I love this Oregon State team. And, again, goes against my, my Oregon 
uh, premonitions here. So I'm this week I'm a Washington fan and I'm an Oregon State fan. Uh, th- might be the first time ever in my career post-grad. Let's move on here. The other 7.30 game, Fox Sports 1, Arizona State. Back on the field after four weeks. By the way, their basketball program is also dealing with a bunch of COVID issues. Welcome to Arizona State, folks. They're hosting UCLA. Arizona, I mean, the three-point spread is probably just because people don't really know what to make out of Arizona State. Um, I think they'll be excited to be back on the football field, but UCLA is hot, and I think Demetri Felton is fantastic. Um, and one thing that Arizona State does lack is run defense. If UCLA is able to unleash Demetri Felton and get a couple quick scores up on the board, and Arizona State is slow to, to start the game, I think UCLA could pull this one out. Um, and I'm actually going to take them the plus three. I think they win this game, but I think it's still close, maybe, minus, uh, maybe by three or six points. If you go by what you saw the last time Arizona State played, it was probably the most complete performance of any Pac-12 team to this point. They played about as good as anybody until about 55 and a half minutes in that game. And then Jaden Daniels had to be asked to be a pocket-passing quarterback only. And they couldn't run the ball, which they were really physical with. And because they, you know, they – they had some unlucky bounces on fourth downs and didn't get it done. So that's the last thing we saw. And then, and then the world collapsed for Arizona State. They missed three consecutive games due to COVID-19 protocols. Their head coach, who's, in, who's up there in age, had a really difficult time with, with the, the virus and, and getting through it. And now they're, they're ready to get back at it. You know, Vegas seems to know more than us all the time, but I just don't understand how after watching what UCLA has done all four games this year, you know, if they don't, if they don't have to absolutely trip over themselves in week one and turn it over four times, they beat Colorado, right? In week two, uh, you know, they get it done as well. And then in week three, they, if it weren't for a, a, a quarterback making his first start, throwing some a pick six you know, and a half, yeah. Unbelievable Hail Mary that gets picked for six. They probably win that game. There's a good chance this team could be 4-0 uh, under Chip Kelly, which is just mind-blowing. So three points, yeah. I mean, if Arizona State figures out a way to do something, by all means, you know, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take UCLA plus the points in this and, 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 and run as well. So a lot of, uh, again, a lot of pluses for me. Five out of the six games, five out of the uh, four out of the five games so far, I'm, I'm taking the underdog with the points. Yeah, and I can't believe I'm taking UCLA. I grew up a USC fan, um, and so my childhood premonitions again, are now. You, again, you cannot let personal things influence your. This is what decisions. I'm learning as a professional in the industry. All right. All right, <laughs> this good. is why I'm on the Oregon Wa- or Oregon State Washington and, and, uh, and uh, UCLA bandwagon this week. Anyways. Sunday is not just NFL day. It's also Pac-12 football day. USC is hosting Washington State, a Cougar team that we have not seen for a few weeks, um, and a USC team that's been MIA as well due to coronavirus concerns. They only had one uh, reported positive case, but due to contact tracing within the team, I believe, or maybe they had two, but with contact tracing, they were, uh, they were out for last week. Um, minus 13 against Washington State, Ryan. I want to hear your take on this before I say anything. <laughs> well, this game got moved up, right? It was uh, scheduled for 6 p.m. initially, but because of uh, the Los Angeles County uh, um, shutdown and the restrictions placed on curfew, they moved it up. 
to the 4.30 start time, which is also good for USC and the Pac-12 uh, because it's right in between the end of the afternoon games of the NFL and before the Sunday night football kickoff. So unless you're interested in watching the highlights and listening to uh, Chris Sims and Rodney Harrison glare at each other uh, through that, that thing, you can watch USC Washington state for the first half and, and really kind of get a, a good, uh, good look at the PAC 12 and, and who is probably our best chance uh, at, at it may be a 0.0111111 or however zeros, more zeros than their chance of going to the playoff. USC may be the only one. 13 points is a lot of points. We don't know what Washington State's going to do. They've played two games, right? They did something that a lot of people didn't think was going to happen, and that was to go to Oregon State with a true freshman quarterback and win. Uh, and then the next week, they did a lot of things that, that people didn't expect to happen, and that's take a, a, a solid advantage into halftime against uh, what people thought was the best team in the Pac-12, Oregon. But – they also weren't able to do anything in the second half. They got into mismatches, and the talent of Oregon was very evident late in the game when they got a matchup with a running back on a defensive end for the you know, dagger touchdown, and they covered. 13 points against a very similar type of team in uh, Oregon or in USC that has – a roster with so much more talent. And if Graham Harrell is able to find some of those mismatches, uh, you know, same, same thing could happen. So I don't know what we're going to see from Washington state early on. Uh, having not seen it for the last couple of weeks, I think USC needs to, for the benefit of the conference. I don't, I don't have a lot of confidence in, in USC, but I am going to go with them here. I'm going to go USC minus the 13. Yep. No, I agree. I think that uh, this is the week where USC finally gives us a convincing enough win to feel somewhat comfortable with them being at the top of the Pac-12 for the time being, uh, based on the perception of the nation, of the AP polls, and of uh, the college football playoff committee, not necessarily in within the Pac-12 power rankings themselves. Because I believe, if I remember correctly, you actually have USC third, right? You have Colorado 1, Washington 2, USC 3 in your Pac-12 power rankings from last week? Yeah, because uh, USC, USC deserves to be 1 and 2 right now. They really do. I mean, they got lucky tips in both of those games tips one for a touchdown the other one on the sideline where an Arizona defensive back inexplicably just just lets it go through his hands for a game ceiling interception so um, the performance against Arizona versus the performance by Washington against Arizona is my is the way I, I flip it not the Utah game uh, that that one for me doesn't doesn't necessarily hold water because it was the first game out um, for Utah against USC. So I have Colorado one, Washington two, USC three. Now, of course, that could change this week because I, I, I think that Stanford could pull an upset. Uh, and uh, then you're talking about Colorado, USC, which is not what anybody assumed would be the case. Everybody thought the North was going to be the dominant division. And instead, again, yeah. the South surprised us. And it's not the two teams that we thought. We thought it was going to be USC, Arizona State, probably. Colorado, once again, puts themselves in a position. you got to give them a lot of credit for what they've been able to do so far. Yeah, out of the Boulder camp, they've really been putting together quite a season. Some news here. I'm going to break something um, that is not nationally broken out of the USC camp. So, Kayvon Thibodeau, the number one recruit in the nation, um, was supposed What's to go What's his name? Kayvon T uh, excuse me, wow. Kayvon Thibodeau went to is Oregon. He was the number one recruit in the nation. Because you That's said my that last podcast. And I was Foreman. Like, no, it's Foreman. Two, is it, it's guys? For no, I, that would be wild. It's Corey Foreman out of Centennial High School. Oh, Sorry, boy, those are completely different names, by the way. 
I just think of Southern California linebackers. All right, all right. Anyways, it's Corey Foreman. He's the number one recruit in the nation. He was originally committed to Clemson, uh, decommitted back in May. It was LSU, Georgia for a long, long time. USC was in his back pocket, um, or in the, in the back of his ear, I should say. Uh, and then he was supposed to go to – Georgia fell off, by the way. He was supposed to go to LSU this past weekend. It was not a publicized trip. I have a source at LSU. Uh, his trip was canceled for uh, – it sounds like what's going on with in LSU um, and the investigations, I'll leave it at that. It doesn't sound like it's going to be very good when they release the report in February. There's a bunch of decommitments for Coach O and LSU, um, and it sounds like that will push – uh, Corey Foreman to commit to USC. So not only did they just get the number 13 wide receiver in the nation to commit, and now they have uh, a number eight and number 12 defensive backs, but they're also probably going to get the number one uh, overall recruit in the nation. And Corey Foreman, who, by the way, is the second highest recruit ever rated by 24-7 sports. So that's some good news out of the USC camp. Some bad news, Jake Garcia, uh, top four quarterback recruit in the nation, decommitted. I have a feeling he's going to Miami. He's been playing in Georgia after transferring from Southern California to play fall football. Um, but they have Miller Moss coming in, who's the fifth-rated quarterback recruit in the nation, and they have Keaton Slovis coming back. So if you're USC, I wouldn't worry too much about quarterback decommitting because the quarterback depth is pretty deep um, after this season. So USC looking pretty good, but really what will help them is if they go and win some football games and, and give the Pac-12 a case. Um, to get into the college football playoff, if not, make them a top ten team. That would be also not even. Good. Yeah, they don't need. To, they don't need. The Pac-12 doesn't need to be in the, co- the college football playoff. They just don't need to self sabotage, and that's to lose games that they shouldn't. USC yeah. shouldn't be losing to teams like Arizona or Colorado or uh, you know, and quite frankly, UCLA, and they did two years ago. So um, that game, I think, is going to be a heck of a one for the Battle of L.A. Hopefully, it can be played because the way that L.A. is trending right now, uh, there may not be any football um, played similar to what Santa Clara County has done. Yeah, high school sports have officially been pushed back to at least the early February timetable in the state of California. Yeah, nothing's changed. Like, people think – people have gotten COVID fatigue. Nothing's changed. In fact, it's gotten worse than when we first went into lockdown a while back. It's gotten worse. So, it hasn't improved at all. It, you know, the idea that this was going to disappear after the election or, or all these or all, all, all these rumors or, or innuendo or <laughs> pipe dreams, what changes this is if you say your ass at home and uh, wear a mask when you're not. That's, that's what changes this. It, it, it just does. It's the only thing. Yeah, I mean, state of California yesterday, Gavin Newsom announced three-week lockdown for uh, counties that are ICU impacted. And right now there aren't any, but it looks – We're like – we're like 200 beds away right now. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, LA County is, is through the roof and outdoor dining is about to close as well. Um, but I will be sitting my ass at home this week. I will be wearing a mask and I will be watching football. So for all intents and purposes, my life doesn't change too much. And, and most of yours probably don't either. So let's recap this really quickly here to tie it all with a nice little bow. And then I'll ask Ryan for the national games he's looking for this week. Um, Washington, Stanford. You and I actually only disagree on four of the six, but it's two of the really no, important. We dis- we disagree on two of the six. Sorry, we agree on four of the six. Correct. Um, I misspoke. Washington, Stanford. Uh, we both have. Wa- uh, you said Stanford could upset. I don't want to misquote you. Um, but if not, you have Stanford plus the 11 and a half. I have the opposite. I'm riding high with my Oregon Ducks this week. Two straight weeks. I I've died on that hill as you stated uh, so eloquently earlier, but. You know what? Sometimes if, if the hill 
beats you, you got to find a way to beat the hill. And maybe that'll be this week for me. So uh, I have the minus nine for Oregon. You have the plus nine. And then the field, Colorado over Arizona, Oregon State, covering the minus 11 against Utah, perhaps the most disrespectful line of the slate of Pac-12 games. UCLA covering the minus three over Arizona State. And USC beating Washington State by more than 13. All right, Ryan, on the National College football slate, we touched on the BYU Coastal game. Uh, what else are you looking for this week? Well, that one, most importantly, because I want to see Zach Wilson up against top 20 talent. Uh, you know, I covered a lot of the Sun Belt last year and uh, had Appalachian State uh, quite a few times. And I even had them in the, uh, uh, in the Sun Belt Championship. And they were as good as anybody in the country last year. They beat a South Carolina team. Uh, they beat an NC State team. They beat some Power 5 opponents in the ACC. So I wanted to see what Coastal will do. And they, they did a great job against Appalachian State. So this game for me is, is, is going to be really telling. Uh, they're not, you know, they're not Final Four caliber, but this is great football. At, in, in early December with two undefeated teams, that was made on 72 hours notice. That's, that's special. Texas A&M, they looked ugh against LSU last week. Kellen Mond had one of those games. They go, uh, they go down to the Plains uh, against Auburn. And, you know, Auburn didn't look great in the Iron Bowl, but, you know, who looks great against Alabama? No one. So if they stumble at all, if Kellen Mond has the kind of game that he had a week ago, let's, let's, let's see if Auburn can, can figure out a way to just get Texas a out of the conversation right now. That's what I'm looking at. Um, you know, Texas, Kansas State, is Texas players, are they going to – is Sam Ellinger and that team going to back it and try to save Tom Herman's job? Because right now it seems like it's going in a different direction. So I'm, I'm interested in that one, of course. Um, you know, we talked about all the Pac-12 games. But uh, Indiana, Wisconsin, uh, you know, Indiana's quarterback's out. I don't that, – that game doesn't necessarily, you know, weigh as much for me. I want to see West Virginia, Iowa State because Iowa State has the Big 12 championship sewn up if they can, if they can get that win uh, against, uh, against West Virginia. It's at home. Uh, that's good for them. Um, other than that, I know that Vanderbilt and Georgia got canceled because of COVID issues. Um, you know, Clemson, Virginia Tech, just to continue to see what Clemson's about. Everybody would normally be, you know, up in arms and, and, and excited about Alabama at LSU, but of course, LSU is LSU this year, which is, which is, which is a shame. <laughs> Um, so those are the, those are the main ones I'm going to be, I'm going to be taking a look at and, uh, uh, and then the full slate of PAC 12, hopefully it's, it's looking that way. Yep. Six games on the PAC 12 docket, some interesting matchups around the nation. We're going to be paying attention. We hope you do too. And keep in mind, uh, that <laughs> this is a year where crazy things happen. So don't be surprised if this weekend is definitely not an exception to that rule, but I think we're going to leave it there. We'll be back on Monday. Kevin Nagandi. ESPN's finest and a good friend of our own Ryan Leaf will join the show. Make sure you tune in for that. We had a great interview this past Monday evening. It's been released though with Matt Barry as well. If you missed that, definitely go back and check it out. Make sure to check out all the wonderful podcasts here on the Believe Podcast Network. But for Ryan Leaf, my name is Jonathan Rifkin. Enjoy another weekend of football. We know that it's starting to get wintry. We hope that the seasonal depression doesn't hit you too hard and that football helps you carry through as well as uh as much as it helps us carry it through. But until Monday, Brian Leaf, John Rifkin, you've been listening to Believe in the Pac-12 on the Blue Podcast Network.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big